Hey, just for the record, there's nothing wrong with clapping if you want to clap when the song's over. That's a good thing. All right? Yeah, no. For the song, not for me. There we go. All right, that's much better. All right, so who can tell me what we've been talking about for the last couple weeks? Yes, little things. I try to make it easy on y'all every single week. One day, I'm going to ask that question and every voice in the room is going to like blow me back on this stage because you're all going to say it at one time. It's right there. Little things are big. That's what we've been talking about. And as we've been talking about it, we've been looking at different people from the Old Testament. We've been jumped into Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Let me ask you a question about Hebrews. Does anybody know who wrote that book? We thank Paul, but we don't really know. Absolutely. So when somebody says, who wrote the book of Hebrews? Like, I'm not really sure. That's okay that you get that answer, okay? But we've looked at Hebrews starting in 11. And the reason we looked at Hebrews chapter 11 is because that's often referred to as the faith hall of fame. And the reason that is, is because as you walk through that chapter, you see name after name of people from the Old Testament. And in every one of those, the writer writes, by faith, by faith they did this, by faith they did that. And that's why we call it the Faith Hall of Fame, because everything they did is because they had faith in who God was. And as we've walked through this chapter, we've seen over and over that that word keeps getting used. And we see people like Noah and Moses and uh, who did we talk about two weeks ago? Who was the first one? close. Abel, yes, you were so you were so close. You got the first two letters right. It was Abel. And one of the reasons that I think we gravitate to accounts and, and people like that in Scripture is because we look and we see what God did in their lives and we think God used them in a big way. And we actually look at that and sometimes we start to think, that's how I want God to use me. And that's not a bad way to think. But what if we change the way that we think? What if instead of saying, okay, God, I want you to do something big in me. I want you to do something big through me. What if we started to think, okay, God, I'm going to be faithful in the little things. Because the little things are what are big to God. And that's what we've seen as we've walked through a couple of these lives. We looked at Abel two weeks ago. We looked at Noah last week. And tonight, we're going to jump back into Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start off in verse 8. And we're going to look at the account of a guy by the name of Abram. You probably know him better as Abram. Abraham, if you've heard about him from the Old Testament before. What's that? You were just getting ahead of the game. I appreciate that. Way to be on top of it, Sarah. You're doing a great job. So we're, we're going to look at Abram. Now, here's something you need to know about Abram. Just like the other guys we looked at so far, Abel was one of the sons of Adam and Eve. And if you remember, Cain and Abel brought their offerings to God. God gave favor to Abel. God did not regard Cain's offering. And Cain got jealous and Cain killed Abel. Because his heart for worship in the little things, him coming humbly before God, focused on what God wanted him to focus on, he didn't have that heart. So that little thing, sometimes we don't stop and think, have I prepared my head and my heart before I come to worship God? That's a little thing we think about, and yet that was a really big thing when it came to God. And last week we talked about Noah and how Noah was faithful in obedience to God over and over, and God did some incredible things through him, but it was because of his obedience in the little things that God did the rest of it. Well, when we look here tonight at Abram, we're going to see some similarities in those two guys and this guy. What we're going to see through Abram through his life, and I'm just going to tell you right now, is Abram trusted God. Day to day, in his walk, he trusted God in his life. 
And a lot of times we, we struggle with that. We struggle with trusting God with the little things in our life. Trusting for those of you that are headed off to college that, that God's going ahead of you and God's getting your, your place ready there and God's giving you a place you can plug into a church and you can serve and God's going to put Christian friends around you. They're going to help build you up. We struggle in trusting God that way. Or maybe those of you who went to school this week, you were struggling trusting that, okay, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to get my schedule right in the first day, which I know that hardly happened for anybody in high school. I'm, I'm going to see all the people that I know. Everything's going to work out. I'm not going to get lost. I'm not going to walk into the right classroom. We think of those as little things, but in every one of those, God's calling us to trust him, that he's got a plan. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Abram. So Hebrews chapter 11, I'm not going to ask you to stand just yet, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 starts this way with these two words, by faith. Those are the two words we keep seeing over and over again in this chapter. Do you remember how faith was defined back in verse 1 of chapter 11? Faith is, if you've got your Bible in front of you and it's open, you can just either scroll back or turn back over. Hebrews 11 verse 1, how is faith defined? Assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. We talked about that the very first week. It's, it's this assurance, this, this conviction, this what we said it was, it's a settled confidence. It's knowing that God is going to keep his word no matter what. That, that God's not going to change his mind. God has made promises. God has told us who he is in his word. And God is going to be consistent because that's who God is. And we can have faith in who God is. That's how it defines it here in Hebrews 11. And that's how we can define it for ourselves. It's that settled confidence that God is who he says he is. And he does not change. We can count on that. We can trust him. And then that same verse goes on to read, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Now, we, we get three verses right here to, that, that talks about Abraham, and I'm, I'm calling him Abram when I'm talking because as we th see through his account, as I just said, God actually changes his name. So when it's referring to it here in the New Testament, it says Abraham, but in the Old Testament, it's Abram. But we can look at just these couple verses, and what we don't see is everything that happened in his life that gets him mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11. So instead of us just glance, glazing or glossing, I can't get the word right tonight, over those three verses and saying, hey, he did a great job, let's move on to the next person, we're going to dig a little bit into Abram's life. So turn in your Bible over to Genesis chapter 12. If you're here tonight and you don't have a Bible and you need one, there's a couple blue ones on the back table there when you came in. We will use a Bible every single Wednesday night. So make sure you bring that with you, okay? And that's what those blue notebooks are back there for as well. So you can take notes and follow along and keep up with what we're doing. So Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Something we do in here, for those of you who are new, is in honor of reading a big chunk of Scripture of God's Word. I ask everybody to stand. So if you will stand with me. And you just follow along. I'm going to read here. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Let me pray for us. God, we just ask right now that, God, as we spend a few moments walking through this passage tonight, God, I pray that we'll be different because we spent time in your word tonight. God, that we'll understand from what we see here in Abram's life, God, the trust that you call us to have in you every day in the small details, the little details of our lives, because the little things are what's big to you, God. Help us to see that as we walk through this tonight, to see who you are and who you call us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. There's, there's a lot going on here that points back to trusting God. So let's just walk through a couple of these verses. I'll read it again. Verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So how many of you started a brand new school on Monday? Like you've never been in that school before. Okay, there's a couple of you. How many of you have ever started in a brand new school? It's been your first day of school, brand new place, like ever. That should be every single person in this room, Okay. Do you remember when you did that? For some of you, it's going to be a little bit fresher in your memory. Were you nervous when you started that first day? Why? I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> okay. Don't know where you're going. Why else? Why else were you nervous? Don't know a lot of people. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Because there's too many people. Okay, that's fair. All right, so too many, too many people. All right. Any other reasons why you might have been nervous that first day? Just people in general. <laughs> yes, Mr. Cannell. That's fair. But do you, do you have to be afraid of the eighth graders? No, you don't have to be. Hey, how many of you in here are in eighth grade? Raise your hand. There's, I was going to say, there's at least one of you tonight. Hey, Nathan, this is Gabe. Gabe, turn around and wave at Nathan. See, you don't have to be afraid of him. You're awesome. Okay. All right. So here's the reason I asked that question. Because here's what you named. Going to a new place, not knowing the people, right? L look at what God just called Abram to do. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He told Abram, I want you to leave the situation that you know. I want you to leave the place you're familiar with. I want you to leave most of the people you're familiar with and everything that you've been used to, and I want you to go somewhere new. And here's the crazy part. 
when you went to school that first day to that brand new school and you didn't know what was going on, you at least knew where you were going. When Abram is called out by God here, he doesn't even tell him where he's going. He just says, leave. I don't know about you guys. I don't even like to go to the grocery store without knowing which grocery store we're going to, what we're buying that's on the list. Is there anything on the list that I don't know about? That's why I'm not allowed to go to the grocery store, by the way. And, and how many stops are we going to have on the way home? How many more stores do we have to go to? I like to know what's going to happen. Anybody here like that? Yeah, there's a couple of you. Okay. Seriously, though, she doesn't like to take me to the grocery store because, because I do that to her, but it is what it is. So <laughs> we've got Abram right here. He's told by God, take everything you own, take a little bit of your family, and leave everything that you're accustomed to. That had to be scary. We're scared enough on the first day of a brand new school, and we're going to at least know a few people there. And we at least have an idea of where we're going. And yet God calls him out. There's trust there. There's trust that, number one, God believes that Abram is going to do what he's asked him to do. But in order for Abram to step out and take that step, he has to trust God. But God doesn't leave him hanging completely. God actually makes a promise to him as you look at it in verse 2 there. It says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we see that God makes a promise to Abram. He calls him out to go somewhere he's never been before to just trust God. And then he makes this promise that he's going to take Abram's family and he's going to make them into a great nation. And through that offspring, through his family, it says the entire world will be blessed. Now that's important because that's a promise that if you continue to read the account of Abram, and which, by the way, it's the next 13 chapters of Genesis that you see his life played out you see that promise come up over and over and over. What God is doing is God is showing Abram right here at the very beginning that Abram can trust God. God's making that promise and he's saying, I'm going to make this promise to you if you will follow me, if you will trust me, this is what's going to happen because God is a God who keeps his promises. God is a God that we can trust every single time. If he says it, it's what's going to happen. And then look at what happens in verse 4. Look at what Abram does. It says, so Abram went as the Lord told him. Not knowing where he was going, not knowing what was going to happen. He just went based on this promise that God gave him. It says, Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. This is his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, at the oak of Morah. At, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So God calls Abram out of his home, out of the land, away from the people that he knew. He makes a promise to him that he's going to make him into a great nation. But stop for a second and look at verse 4. How old is Abram right now? 75 years old. It is. And guess what? Right now, he has no children. L look, look at the people that he takes. He, he takes his nephew. He takes his wife. He takes the people that are servants in their family. But he doesn't take a child. 
Because at 75 years old, Abram doesn't have a child yet. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know too many 75-year-old guys that are, are like fathering newborn babies. Okay? Anybody known somebody that old that's had a kid? In fact, here's a question. Does anybody know what the world record holder is for the oldest man to ever have a newborn child? Wait, hold on, hold on. What'd you say? 82? What'd you say? 105? I heard answers over here. 84? 90? 95? You want to know how old he was? 72? That's a good guess. I will tell you this. It's a guy by the name of Les Coley, I think is how you say that. And he was from Australia. And when his wife gave birth, which by the way, this wasn't his first wife. When his wife gave birth to his ninth child, he was 92 years and 10 months old. That's crazy and a lot creepy, okay? <laughs> What's that? It doesn't say, but it, does, it did say, it, it didn't say how old his wife was, but he had only met her like two years prior. So he married her when he was like 91 years old. I don't know how many wives he had before that. I'm just telling you, that's the one. But, but look at this. Hey, that's an important detail, guys. He's 75 years old, and he doesn't have any children. And yet God has made this promise to him that he's going to take his descendants, and he's going to make them into a great nation. That's trust. For him to be willing to listen to God, to pack up, to take his family, to take everything he owned and just go wherever God led him. And even the promise that God made him that I'm going to take your descendants and I'm going to make them into a great nation when he didn't even have a child at that point. Abram is trusting God and he's trusting God with a lot of different things that are going on here. And for you and I, sometimes we struggle trusting like that. We have a hard time trusting people that are standing right in front of us some days. I'll be honest with you. I blame clowns and magicians for that. Let me tell you why. Because when you're a kid, how many of you liked clowns when you were little? How many of y'all were scared to death of clowns when you were little? Okay, there's reason number one. Right there. Because sometimes as a kid, you look at a clown and, and, and maybe they're kind of funny. They got on the makeup and you think, wow, that's, that's weird, but it's cool. But for some of you, you look at that clown and you think, you're a freak, stay away from me. And it makes it so you don't trust people. And the magicians, now don't get me wrong, I love a good magic trick. But let's be honest, magicians are just really good liars, aren't they? I mean, they, they, their job is to try to trick you, to make you think they can actually make things levitate or make things disappear. And over time, you start to realize, I can't really trust these people. And the same thing happens with the people around us every day. Sometimes it's really easy to trust people up front. But over time, people break their word. People break their promises. And all of a sudden, it's hard to trust. And, and we do it with people and, and we do it with God. I mean, I, some of you guys trust your friends, right? Sometimes, depends on the friend. I hope, I hope you trust your parents. I hope. Every one of you that's wearing a pair of shoes today trusted those shoes. That the glue and the stitching was going to hold them together as you walk down the sidewalk at school. 
Every one of you that has a cell phone today, you trusted your cell phone to connect you to the rest of the world. See? Hey, and that's exactly my point. We put our trust in a lot of different people and a lot of different things, but at any given time, every single one of those things could let us down. You trust your friends, you trust your parents until you start to realize that they're not perfect either. Guys, I, I remember, oh, I remember, I remember the year that I knew the Easter Bunny was no longer real. At least in my house, because for years we had had Easter baskets. And you'd get up early on Easter Sunday morning and they would be sitting on the Easter table or on the uh, dining room table. And I would look at those baskets and I would think, this is awesome. But then I found out the Easter Bunny was not real in my house. He may be real in yours, but he wasn't real in mine. Because there was one Easter where I got up, and I got up before my parents got up. And I went running in the kitchen, and I looked on that table, and you know what I saw? I saw the basket, I saw the bag of fake grass, and nothing else. No, I didn't cry. My eyes might have sweated a little bit, but I didn't cry. Totally different. It's hot in here. But here's the thing. Hey, at some point, every single person in your life to some degree is going to break the trust you've put in them. And it's not because they're out to get you. It's not because they're trying to be malicious. It's because every single one of us is affected by sin. Because it's just who we are. It's something that we all struggle with. Those shoes, that phone that died today, every one of those things is going to let us down. And the reason that's important is because the only thing, the only person who will never betray your trust is God. We may struggle with trusting each other, but we don't ever have to struggle with trusting God. It may seem like such a small thing, but when it comes to having a relationship with God, that is big. Because we can trust God no matter what is going on in our life. And I know... I have no doubt, I don't even pretend to think that everybody's life in here is perfect tonight. Because everybody in here, you've got stuff going on at home with your family or with friends at school, even though it's only been three days already, or with teachers or co-workers or whoever it may be. You've got problems. And it's trust issues. And yet with God, we can trust Him 100% all the time because God always keeps his word. Abram trusted God and that trust led him to act on God's word. He took his family, he took what he owned and he followed God even though he didn't know where he was going at the time. And by the way, in verse 5 there, it mentions when he took his family, he took his wife Sarai. She, she's a pretty major part of this account of Abram's life. In fact, there's so much going on with her that we're going to save her and talk about her specifically next week. So don't miss that because she's got a pretty important role to play in what's going on here. But then Genesis 12 continues in verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. 
So God led Abram to where he wanted at that point in time, and he continued to lead him. Now, as I said before, we don't have time to walk through the entire account of Abram because it's the next 13 chapters of the book of Genesis. I do encourage you, go back and read. Because as you see what God does here, you see exactly how God carried out the promises that he made to Abram. And you need to understand that Abram, as I said before, he was not like a rock star Christian. Abram made mistakes. In fact, two different times, I think it's in Genesis 12 and Genesis chapter 20, Abram goes into a land and he's so worried about the fact that his wife is beautiful, he thinks that all of these guys are going to want to marry his wife, so he doesn't want to be murdered because he's her husband, so he says, this is my sister. And he gets him in trouble twice. He made mistakes. By the way, guys, be proud of your wife. Don't ever pull some stupid stunt like that. But Abram did. Hey, that's good life advice right there. I don't care who you are. Abram made those mistakes. And yet God still worked in his life. God still took the trust that Abram had. And God still proved that he was trustworthy. As you read through that account, you see he made those mistakes in Genesis 12 and 20. In Genesis 17, you see God changes Abram's name to Abraham. And he changes Sarai's name to Sarah. God protects Abraham and his family in Genesis chapter 19 and chapter 21. We finally see that promise that God made to him so long ago come to fruition as his son Isaac is born. Which, by the way, God made the promise when Abraham was how old? 75. Isaac was born when Abraham was 100. That's trust. 25 years. God made a promise, and for 25 years, Abraham held on to that promise and followed God and trusted God. And the amazing thing about that son Isaac that was born, if you follow the lineage of Isaac and what God did with Abraham's family, you can go to Matthew chapter 1 and you can read the lineage there. And you see Abraham, you see Isaac, you see Jacob, and it goes all the way down to Joseph and Jesus. That whole promise about through your family, through your descendants, I will bless the world. That's what that was about. That's the promise that Abraham held on to. That's the trust that he had in who God is and who God would be. So my question for you is this tonight. Are you trusting God? Are you trusting God in every area of your life? in your family, even when there's junk going on that makes absolutely no sense in your family. With your friends, when somebody who you thought was your best friend stabs you in the back. Are you trusting God with your eternity to know that He holds you in, your hand, in His hand, that He has forgiven you of your sin? Guys, every single person in this world I don't care how much they love you. And I know everyone in this room has people that loves them and you love others with all your heart. But we are all affected by sin. And because of that, at some point, that trust will be broken in some way. God is the one we can always count on and we can always trust in. And if you're in here tonight and you don't have a relationship with him, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin. You've never put your faith and trust in him. You can do that right here. You can do that right now. 
And I have no special words. It's telling God that you're a sinner, that you can't fix yourself, that you want him to forgive you and you want to follow him with the rest of your life. The Bible tells us it's that easy. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. If that's you tonight, I would love to talk to you about that. If you're ready to make that choice. Or one of the other adults in this room would love to talk to you about that. But if you've already made that decision, is there any area of your life where you're not trusting God? And if there is, why? In your seats tonight, there's prayer cards. There's little orange and yellow cards. Maybe you're struggling trusting God with something and you just want somebody to pray for you, to ask God to give you the strength to hand that over to Him. I want to encourage you, when we stand up, when we start singing, fill out that card. Drop it right here in the basket. You can fold it so nobody else sees it. But I will pray for you. And there's other adults in this room that will pray for you. That you will know what it is to trust God with everything that you have. Because God is the only one who is 100% trustworthy. In the little things. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we can trust you. And God, I pray right now that you'll help each one of us to do that. God, even, even when there's situations in our lives that we, we don't understand, God, pains and hurts that don't make sense right now. God, help us to trust that you have a plan and that you are working things out. God, help us to lean into you tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.